0: Hello, I'm horror cartoonist Dennis St. John. I draw monsters and write twisted tales. As you can imagine, I was a little obsessed with Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Lucky for me, so were most of my high school friends, all except one. One friend who stubbornly refused to join the Scoobies. So here we are, 20 some odd years later. I'm teaming up with Doc Travis, John Landis, and maybe a special guest or two. And we're going to make our friend Michael Polley... Watch one episode of Buffy Week until he's no longer the Buffy Virgin. Hey everybody! Uh, Welcome to Angel Virgin Season 2, Part 1. I'm your host, Dennis St. John, uh, and we have with us uh, our regular folks from Buffy Virgin. Uh, Why don't you guys introduce yourself from most to least likely to uh, save an innocent girl's life on the streets of L.A. Well, one of us is a doctor. Yeah, my <laughs> name's Travis.
1: I'm definitely going
2: to be the one who's going to jump in first. But
0: hey, what's up? Will you go horseback riding to save them?
2: Horseback riding is one of the most dangerous activities known to man outside of, you know, chewing gum and walking and uh, flying a rocket ship. So that's, that's a roll of the dice with the horseback riding.
1: Well, my name is John and I may not be a medical doctor, but I do have first
3: aid merit badge from the Boy Scouts of America. So I'll go ahead and be the second most likely to save a life. And my name is Michael. I'm the Virgin. I've only seen Angel up to season two, episode one through 11. And I guess I would just film any accident I saw in LA.
2: And, and give, uh, give your father's card to the victim
3: right i would drop my dad (laughs) who is an attorney i would drop his business
0: card and uh maybe yeah
3: yeah, walk away
0: (laughs) awesome uh so as you may have figured out uh we're going to be recapping uh episodes one through eleven of angel um and why don't we start with a summary of all those episodes
3: The summary. Great, well, episode one of Angel season two is Judgment, where Angel helps a pregnant refugee woman being hunted by demons, fighting for her in a trial, and then visits Faith in prison. Episode two, Are You Now or Have You Ever Been? This is the Cordelia and Wes research the Hyperion Hotel episode, and they stop a demon that cursed it, putting the hotel back on the market. Episode three is First Impressions. Angel has a dream about Darla. And Divac steals Angel's car. More about Divac later. Episode 4 is Untouched. Angel helps a woman with telekinetic powers who doesn't value herself. Episode 5 Dear Boy, Darla tries to get Angel to embrace his dark side. Darla and Lindsay have this crazy plan for Angel to think Darla is with someone else and that Darla is not her name, which forces Angel to break into a house <laughs> where the husband has been murdered. Super great episode episode 6 guys will be guys angel meets a swami wesley pretends to be angel and plays the bodyguard fantastic episode uh episode 8 darla darla remembers her past we discover she's human and that she and then she goes to angel to become a vampire episode 9 the shroud of ramon this is the oceans 11 episode lovely episode 10 the trial angel refuses to turn darla into a vampire hatches another scheme to undergo a trial to cure her syphilis. Drusilla makes Darla a vampire anyway. Episode 11, Reunion. Uh, Drusilla and Darla hit the streets. And Angel allows lawyers from Wolfman Hart to be killed by Drusilla and Darla. Literally allows it. Cool, Those. Uh, that's Angel Season 2, Episodes 1 through 11.
0: Good job, Mike. You're welcome. That's a lot of uh, compressing right there. And with no artifacts. Let's uh, move on to Great Lines.
3: Great Lines. So, uh, I love this scene from First Impressions. Uh, there's a conversation in, like, a parking lot, whatever. Cordy says, When you do find him, you may want to be a little more Guy Personnel Confidential, and less Michael Madsen in Reservoir Dogs. And then Gunn says, I haven't bothered to see a movie since Denzel was robbed at the Oscars for Malcolm X. Later, walks off. So fun. So funny. And then they talk more about uh, Denzel being amazing. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, And then in Untouched, I love this scene. Angel says, uh, this is after he gets a bit of like rebar through his body from the telekinetic uh, lady. And he says, you know how hard it is to think straight with rebar through your torso? Um, To Cordy, of course, he says, actually, I do. Benefits of a Sunnydale education. Boom. Such a good callback. Didn't see it coming. So funny.
1: (laughs) Uh, my great, my best line was a uh, gun where he says, uh, "You two, I find Devac. I'm gonna need more than C3PO and stick figure Barbie backing me up. No offense. I love that. I feel like this is like a thing out of like a screenwriting book where it's like every time you create a character, you should like make up like a name for their best and worst selves. So like for Wesley, like his best self is Rogue Demon Hunter and his worst self is C3PO. And like Cordelia's <laughs> like best self is a movie star and her worst self is uh, stick figure
2: Barbie." Yeah, that's amazing. Uh, my line is from the episode, and I think it's from Darla. Angel's like, guys, come on. We're a detective agency. We investigate things. That's what we're good at. And Cordelia says, that's what we suck at. Unless there's a website called www. Oh, by the way, we have
1: darlish com. We're pretty much out of luck. Does anyone <laughs> own that domain name, by the way? I don't know. I was going to look it up, but I didn't. Whoa, someone does. I clicked on it. It's There's nothing there. But, it, but it, does, it, does, it does come back with something. Like I, you get just, a, for, a forbidden yeah. error, but that means someone owns the domain name.
0: Uh, it'd be funny if it was just like a guess about where the actress is at all times.
1: <laughs> <laughs> or like a link to her Twitter
2: or like Instagram, like geolocation tags. Yeah, whoever owns that domain name, you start using it. Yeah, use it for something fun. You can totally automate some geotags. Some geo uh. <laughs>
0: Uh, I chose a, a Darla and Drew quip uh, where Darla is upset and she's like, "In a perfect world, Angel would be right, would be here right now, helping me burn the city to the ground." But where is he? Probably flogging himself in a church somewhere. And Drew's like, "Ooh, flogging! Ew, churches!" <laughs> <laughs> All right, uh, let's do some questions. Questions for the group.
3: All right. Uh, these are, of course, random questions about Angel season two from F1 to 11. Um, OK, so we get to see Angel. This is jumping in. We get to see uh, Angel meet the master in this uh, kind of flashback episode. I think it's and Angel is such a dick to the master about those damn beds. What is going on with Angel? <laughs> like, this is like the your, you know, grandfather vampire. and like. Just this argument is so f- interesting. What are your thoughts about that scene? He's, he's, he's a new generation, you know? He's like
1: the Pepsi generation of vampires. He's distinguishing <laughs> himself from the older generation that's okay with living in a sewer. And he, you know, he actually, he embraces uh, some of the trappings of humanity. He's not snobby.
0: Um, one thing that's interesting is in, in Buffy's season one, Darla convinces the master to try to recruit Angelus, or Angel. And the master is like, ah, Angelus, a cooler beast I never met or some like thing like that. And like, based on this, his reaction should be like that dick. (laughs) (laughs) You're still talking about him.
3: (laughs) You're totally right. It's just like feels very uncharacteristic to make that kind of play, which is a power move. It's in some ways to try and like show, yeah, that I'm younger and hipper, cooler, more connected.
0: I do like uh, the master's reaction, though, of being like, I'm just going to play the long game. I'll give it a century. Like, who the fuck
2: cares?
0: (laughs) All right. It's like
2: like Angel was a super. I mean, he was like an immature human. So I'm not surprised that he was like he was a pretty immature vampire at that time. That's
3: kind of how it read to me. Oh, yeah, definitely immature. Yeah. Okay, so part of this season arc is about the hotel. The Hyperion Hotel. What is the financial situation at Angels Detective Agency? Because not only does the hotel like become a new headquarters, also Gunn is now an employee. They've like they've expanded the employees uh by one. Big deal though. Uh what's what's the situation? Can you figure it out?
2: Uh no, it doesn't make any sense to me. They had they had they had an out early in the season when they found all the cash from the bank robbery. Like, they could have bankrolled the uh, detective agency with that cash, but they don't, like, really do that. Do you remember that, the suitcase full of cash? Yeah, totally. They could. That, that was a total out, but they never say they used it.
0: Yeah, maybe they did, right?
1: There's also the guy from Office Space who, like, could be bankrolling them, but, like, it's not... It doesn't, it's never explicitly stated that he is. He says, like, he's going to, like, have his accountant, like, help them figure stuff out, but he doesn't actually give them money.
3: Right, and he implies that if they spend time restoring the place right as a they could get a grant of some kind and right. maybe you could pay for it that way as a historic site these all seem like fun things to dig into in a sh- in this show but they don't like i anyway it's not
0: <laughs> good it seems like stuff within cordelia's personality to be invested in right
3: mm. oh
2: my god i just realized this is kind of a trigger because in gilmore girls more like Gilmore runs a runs a like bed and breakfast and like a lot of scenes are set at a a hotel and I can only imagine like an idea of an angel episode where they have actual guests at the hotel and they're trying to solve crimes (laughs)
0: oh my god they hire Lorelai Gilmore yeah this has been a angel virgin bingo where Travis talks (laughs) to Gilmore
3: Girls (laughs) (laughs) I just felt like fun drama they could have dug into and I felt like thought they were based on the episode one and two of this where like they're kind of living, you know, in a weird situation, like Cordy's place, like, and you know, Dennis is, you know, coordinating, whatever. He's like an Alexa of uh, their detective agency, like, <laughs> is this the ghost? Uh, oh, Dennis not, the Ghost. Yeah, not sorry. Me.
0: Yeah, I didn't come in to be Cordelia's assistant. But...
3: I do think it would be cool though if someone made an Alexa app that was just a Dennis skill, right? And it would be just do temperature and stuff and scare off uh, unwanted boyfriends. We'll but
2: the... have to also like shoot things across the room.
0: Yeah. You just have like a uh, random stuff attached via a uh, fishing wire
2: or magnets. And it would suddenly DMAG turn off the magnet and things <laughs> would
3: fall to the ground.
0: Ooh. I it just felt like they were going to care
3: more about the money side uh, with the yeah. way this thing, this arc started. Um, but they didn't, it was just, um, like set dressing drama and a fun excuse to get to this amazing set. The hotel set is phenomenal. Like, I mean, it, it, it's a famous set as a uh, Travis has explained to me, but, um, all right, we'll get back we'll get more to the hotel later. Um, there's a hookup that happens, uh, Virginia and Wesley. What are your thoughts about this pairing? This is in guys will be guys, right? Uh, and then it turns out to like continue over this arc that they're a couple.
0: Not okay thoughts? with it. I think it, <laughs> I, I, <laughs> I really like that actress Bridget Brana, huh? Mm-hmm. Br- Br- Brana. Um, she's on, uh, that other vampire show, Kindred the Embraced or whatever. Um, and she's also on Runaways with James Marsters. And um, uh, what's his name? The guy who's playing a demon on season five of Buffy over on the other show.
3: Dreg? Um,
0: Dreg, yeah. Yeah, I like her. I'm So I'm fine with her being on the show more.
3: Uh, I mean, Virginia and Wesley, it just felt um, unlikely to me. I mean, this is... An interesting relation because it's kind of like built out of a lie, where Wesley's pretending to be the—I assume—the coolest version of a rogue demon hunter you can be, which would be Angel, and he's pretending to be Angel. And this girl, and Virginia, kind of falls for him in that uh, in in that contract or whatever for that project. Yeah, yeah I mean, we can talk
0: about the duplicity of it, but he's also being very like Wesley Angel, right? He's still like nerdy to the core right
3: yeah i mean i don't think he's like lying to anyone about who he is but it does like he it is interesting he's expressing like a more confident version of himself it reads a little bit like the xander um double episode where you get the confident xander and then the like weakling xander and so you're getting like confident wesley into a relationship with a celebrity as it turns out of some kind where she has access to parties that cordelia is jealous of Uh, It just it seems like an unlikely relationship to me, Um, though. I like that it makes it clear now that Wesley doesn't have a type, like even a physical type that he's into. Right. Because obviously (laughs) there's certain physical types that show up here, like uh, Angel likes blondes. Uh Yeah. uh Uh, (laughs) Angel
0: has a very specific type.
3: But uh, Wesley doesn't doesn't have a type, which I appreciate. Um, But John, what's your take?
1: Uh, I think it's, I mean, yeah, I think it's awful. I think it might even be worse than, uh, you guys are, are suggesting because I feel like having sex with somebody under the auspices of being an entirely different person brings up consent issues. I don't think it's okay to do that. And I think the fact that the show rewards him for it is, uh, a really big problem with what is actually, we'll get to, uh, what is my favorite episode.
3: Oh, you think it's a consent issue if you're pretending
1: to be someone you're not? Yeah, I think if you like, if there's an existing person and you say, I am this, like, just think about it, if it was a, if there was, if he had put this information on a dating app and said that he was a celebrity and then went and slept with somebody like that's not okay. Especially like, you know, she, as she points out in this episode, like you actually just put my life in danger because I thought I was being protected by a vampire, but actually I wasn't, <laughs> uh, I feel like that's, you know, and it also like the fact that she ends up with him undercuts uh, the character of Virginia, who I think is otherwise really, really interesting and awesome. uh, And her whole like, you thought I was a virgin? This whole thing is stupid. Uh, It undercuts that uh, element of the character. I don't know. I I had a big problem with that. I would say that I agree that there is a
2: consent issue. Um, So but remember for Wesley, he was forced to do this. So he was. Less of a willing participant. To he wasn't a forced to ad-
1: sleep with her, though.
2: No, no, no. But the persona. <laughs> so I, I, th- I think there's yeah. like there's like relationship consent, and then like an actual sexual act consent, and definitely for the relationship, lying about who you are, uh, you know, you don't want to separate a, you can't really separate a sexual act from a relationship. Um, but it appears as if the the actual encounter was somewhat consensual. But there's always going to be an element of of concern that since he was not actually uh being honest about who he was so i I think you're right there's elements to it uh for consent absolutely
0: i i mean i think john you're right in the theoretical and in the in the real life application if somebody Mm -hmm. is lying about themselves in real world that is like rape sure Mm -hmm. this is an imaginary world with like magical mafia issues to deal with also like i didn't it didn't trigger me for any real like obviously maybe i'm not the person to be triggered for this or not but it didn't like i didn't associate it in any way with real world problems i was like because it's already like i'm being kidnapped by the magical mafia and i have to pretend to be a vampire in order to survive this thing like you're already like so far removed from like like real world consequences Mm -hmm. that's true
2: fair enough I was, you know, it's kind of like weird. Weird. Uh, it's not really slut shaming at the end, but it's like super weird for all this to be predicated on like virginity, um, and then having to like, and then like in a, in voluntarily recounting your sexual past to hurt someone, aka your father. I don't know. It was, it gets it gets weird at the very end.
0: I like that scene. I most I like that a scene for the thing of yeah. like. I even dated like whatever his name was. I even dated Fred for a while and you just see like a <laughs> guy in a walkin'. cloak. It yeah. was just like I'm <laughs> part of the ritual.
1: <laughs> yeah. I mean, I read that scene as like, you know, the, 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 the daughter's, uh, sexuality or her purity, or whatever is like, it, it's a become a, it, you know, her dad is treating it as a prop in yeah. his life, uh, in this ritual. And what she's saying by saying like, actually dad, I've been sleeping with people for a while. And she's saying, actually my sexuality is, is mine. And it doesn't have anything to do with you. Uh, And that's a really great moment, which I feel like, again, is sort of undercut by the fact that she actually ends up with Wesley.
2: Well, I I would just, for for me, it would work better if she didn't have to literally recount person by person. Like She could just say, you know, it's my, this is my life. I, you know, I am this person. These are my choices. (laughs) Having to recount person by person. I'm not sure a real, I'm not sure a person would actually do that in real life. I think a writer would, would think that, but I'm not sure a person would literally do that. But that's just me
3: i don't think that wesley is a fraud completely he's like half fraud because he does actually pull off a rescue and this is in relating to yeah, what john like was two saying rescues, right like the the function of a bodyguard. he lies about who he is he's not angel he's not a vampire but he does like actually provide the function of a bodyguard like with some yeah tw- two really great rescues that are shocking as an audience because you're like whoa wesley can't he did what yeah. and he intimidates wow like it's super fun, so he does perform the functions. He's not a complete fraud, though. It's that pushing himself into that identity, like, uh, that's a little off. Mm. Yeah, but it's definitely. I mean, if you lie about your name, that kind of like undercuts everything. <laughs> yeah. And he has like a split second right before
2: he and her kiss on the bed where he can like clarify everything that's going on, and he doesn't. Yeah, yeah, it's it's problematic. I think it, a great uh, a great exercise would be to pretend to be like your cool version for a day and see how much stuff you could get done. Like, I don't know, like to do like the Wesley experiment where you pretend to be Angel and like he does so much stuff that he wouldn't think he'd be able to. I don't know. I think that's really, that'd be a fun thing to do someday.
0: He doesn't believe in Wesley, but he believes in Angel Wesley. Yeah, he's
2: just like so strong and, and yeah. I mean, outside of the consents,
0: you know, lying stuff. Uh, so, uh, Mike, next question.
3: So we spent some time at Kiritas, which is the karaoke bar. But is the advice that the host gives any good? I actually am not certain that the advice is good. So I have evidence in this. So uh, in the Guys Will Be Guys episode, that's predicated on Angel getting advice from, Carita- from the host to go and visit a swami who turns out to have been swamied, swapped. Uh, that did not work. Swapped. And, uh, it's, it's like the guys, you know, whatever dead or missing. Right. And like Angel is, uh, like totally, um, uh, busy. He's like, you know, they were trying to kill him like, not just keep him busy for that episode, which, you know, gets into the thing with Wesley. He also gives the advice. Uh, you get the advice about the trial being an option and the trial turns out to be a total MacGuffin waste of time where actually Darla can't be given a second chance. He's already been given the second chance. So they can't undo the syphilis. Uh there is there good advice from the host? I feel like there's one piece of good-ish advice, but it feels really mixed and not like like I I mean in terms of the random advice in the show or like that kind of moves you in a direction, right? This is very similar to Cordelia's psychic power, where it's just like she gets the vision and then they kind of investigate, and sometimes it's like spot on and maybe off, but it's a way to get things going and make things feel a little bit out of control. And the host stuff it just feels like It's bad. So you probably all have opinions about this. There's some uh, uh, poker faces happening, which is great. Um, I will take this into predictions. Awesome.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I mean, I think you're just spot on that it's similar to the visions where it's like. What the advice is, is plot advance advice, right? And it um, sometimes has to be bad to like, it can't be as accurate as what his power is stated to be. Because then like there'd be solutions too early in the episode, right?
1: Which the host says, he says uh, at one point, he says, I I put people on their path. He doesn't say, you know, I'm necessarily giving them good advice. I'm just putting them on their path, which is a little more neutral.
3: Right. And I think for the trial episode in particular, that one I was really frustrated with, but it, I guess you have to see the, an attempt made to rescue Darla as a human before you're comfortable with her becoming a vampire. Like that's, what's really what the show wants to happen. It wants it wants to play with this idea of extending her life as a human for a bit before uh, dumping her into Drusilla's arms. So uh, it's just it's, it's interesting. But I, I think as a viewer is frustrating in the when I like going back through the episodes. Well, we'll just get into about best words.
0: Uh, So my question was just about Caritas. You're at Caritas and you need to sing for your destiny. Uh, what's your go to karaoke song, guys?
1: In real life, my go-to karaoke song is Rock Lobster. Uh, I always go for a BF2 song <laughs> if they have it because uh, Fred Schneider uh, does not sing, and I, it is best for everyone if I do a song that involves no actual
0: singing. I have heard a lot of uh, Love Shack at karaoke. People yeah, the problem love problem with love to Shack, that voice. They really love that voice. Um, it,
1: but it, the problem with Love Shack is that it's like, like more than 50% the ladies singing in that song. Whereas the, the balance is tipped much more towards Fred Schneider and, uh, and, and, and Rock Lobster. But it's a little harder to find that one at
3: karaoke places. Well, I think at Caritas, I would sing probably a classic 90s slow jam, I Swear, by All for One. Whoa.
0: That's some heavy lifting, Mike. It ah, it's is. fun. is. You're a good singer, also, though. So. <laughs> thanks.
3: Uh, that feels like the right venue for that kind of thing. That's and also, good. I would be getting romantic advice, probably.
2: um i would definitely sing spice girls number one hit
3: wannabe that's a great choice also 90s i'll back you up on that
0: yeah
2: because you know you know people will be singing along with you
0: that's a good call uh i usually go for uh uh i like the Wait" by the band um and i feel like that would be good for finding your destiny that's kind of, that's the era I like to choose from also in uh, uh, karaoke, because I like like the band and I like CCR. I feel like they've karaoke songs. Everybody knows, but they're not often chose. Uh Let's do uh, Best Worst Episodes.
3: Great, well, I kind of hinted at this, but the worst episode for me is The Trial, which was needless and infuriating as a viewer. Uh, I don't know how people watched that episode of the time felt, but. It is uh it is frustrating to find yourself thinking that they're going to extend Darla's life and find a way to cure syphilis through physical combat uh and then for that to not work <laughs> out. Um I mean I love the, you know, Drusilla converting um Darla weirdness yeah. and I'm glad that they talk about it, but that episode was frus- was frustrating. Um especially in like a an arc that has these a lot of really fun and good episodes that one was really weird and then first impressions which is more odd um and uninspired and confusing but like i think i would actually enjoy this more on a second watch having an understanding of what dvac is about um because like the dvac weirdness on that really like rubbed me the wrong way the whole time that episode it's like that episode is like on the verge of racist it's like exploring a lot of like stereotypical sets and props that i'm like i don't i don't know when you go into guns world this this show has a weird a negative opinion of guns world and so it's such a stark contrast that like i'm i'm not comfortable with what they're doing even though they're doing an okay job at it it's just guns it's,
1: world party time excellent <laughs>
3: Sorry, sorry. Back to yeah, your no. analysis. <laughs> no, no. All the guns world episodes are less of a party time. <laughs> like even the gu- like the gun house party thing is weird. I don't know. That whole episode is like it's weird. And there is a there's an essay that I'm not ready to write about the racial politics of Angel as yeah. they are like uncovered
0: in first impressions. It's called white guys guessing.
1: Yeah, that, that that's why it's my worst episode too. It's exactly what you said. It's it's not like. It's not, it's not overtly capital R racist, but it's definitely uh, feels very inauthentic and in that they're like trying to address the fact that like Buffy takes place in this really whitewashed picket fence world, but they also don't really know about anything else is how it feels. So they're just sort of like extrapolating based on like they watched Homicide Life
3: on the Street or something and just making shit up. So that's how it feels. Oh, yeah, totally. It's definitely the other place. Like Cordelia feels uncomfortable there in that world. Everyone's pretty uncomfortable with it. And they don't they don't really like do anything different in the space. You're right. It's like they took the T V sets from Homicide and then they added their characters to it. And then but Dvac is such a strange villain. This puny puny black guy that then becomes a massive kind of creepy goblin monster. Uh that that stuff's super weird i don't i don't know what's going on there it's like playing with your perception of a puny black guy or something and like it's again this is a racial essay that i'm not ready to write because i have not thought this through but anyway it felt weird didn't uh this goes my worst and then um gosh untouched untouched was too weird for me and that goes in my worst also untouched with the telekinetic powers that um this woman's developed in part you know she's like sexually abused pretty intensely and like wants to give herself to angel and like angel doesn't want to take her like this. I don't, it's like it goes to a dark place, but it doesn't, it doesn't, it feels odd in the same way. It's like they took an SVU concept and dumped it into angel. (laughs) It's like we got, we added telekinesis as well. Um, It's just such a dark direction for the show. And I, I guess I was like, I was really concerned for the show's handling of, of, of sexual abuse and then kind of creating this, uh, superpower out of it. Uh, but it didn't, it didn't feel satisfying. It felt really strange. Cause like there just ends in a really weird confrontation, uh, that, that felt super off. Like it belonged to another movie genre, but, Anyway, that one was just like, I mean, compared to something like Guys Will Be Guys, which is a joy and plays with the characters on the show, playing with another character and like taking them through their arc is a is weird. I want to see more of the characters on the show. So that's just, that's just what fell off. And then the best, I mean, gosh, Guys Will Be Guys. That's a blast. Like watching Wesley pretend to be Angel. I could watch four hours of that. I could watch 80 hours of that. It's so much fun. And then uh, the other best for me was Reunion, because uh, I love the set up an idea for reunion and it happens and they, you know, it's not the most satisfying, but it's satisfying enough that I really just enjoy reunion.
1: I don't have much to add to that. My, I very much agree. My worst is first impressions for all the reasons stated. And my best, uh, is guys will be guys for a lot of stuff I want to get into later in my rant. But, uh, also because I love, uh, Alexis Denisov's uh, his, like his, all of his pratfalls and his physical comedy, one of the things I love about the way the show deploys that is that like they'll do that and then not do it for like six or seven episodes. It's not like he's always doing it. So when it does happen, when he does fall over and like smack his face on something, it's really surprising and really, really way, way funnier than if they did it too much. Like it's used appropriately. I just love that.
0: Uh, Trav, why don't you do yours?
1: Oh, okay. So my,
2: my best, um, I'm, I'll, of course everyone else, everyone does, no one likes untouched except for me, but I think I like it. Um, because it doesn't it doesn't handle like I don't like the mythology behind like sexual assault will give you super gives people superpowers because that's that's not a correct way to handle that that subject matter that being said it has some cool things that happen in it and I do like the actress on uh, in the episode Um, and it is different and weird compared to other episodes of Angel so it's so in that sense it's cool um, and then hearing you talk, hearing, hearing you talk about it, Mike, it almost reminds me of like that dark episode that was never filmed where in the first season where Kate, instead of uh, Kate being an undercover police officer, she was addicted to uh, crack cocaine and and up being a prostitute like that dark, like this feels like this is a remainder episode that got written at the same time as that, that, and like, like, I think that's supposed to be like episode two or three of the show um this is like a super dark episode written just around the same time as that but somehow got pushed off a whole season um i love darla the episode because it jumps through time so that's a huge huge thing i love jumping through time you seeing a lot of the backstory and then at the end of darla we see the we see the the ultra wide screen this wide uh this wide shot of spike drusilla darlin angel slow walking through like this burning set of of Beijing or Shanghai. And like that slow-mo of them walking through the Boxer Rebellion is like...
0: Which is the same shot that's in Buffy, right?
2: I don't know if it's the exact same shot. I can't remember. But um, since I watch Angel all the time and not season five of Buffy, I always associate it with Angel.
0: Yeah, I think it's the (laughs) same shot. But it's like because we've been following this through Angel, we see it from his point of view. When before we were watching it through spikes and we were seeing it through his point of view. Yeah.
2: Yeah. So it's like, it's just a really cool shot. Um, and I like the Shroud of Ramon because it's like a, a funny one off episode. And, um, anyways, for me, the worst is the trial, um, just because it's hard to watch because it's, it's kind of pointless. And I've seen it a bunch of times. But, um, and then You now or have you ever been is my worst. Not because I don't like the mad subject matter. You see the hotel a ton. It's just hard to watch. Um, like it's hard to watch like racism in action. It, it's just painful uh, because it was like set in the 1950s, and then that still is a huge problem today. If you know if things were different today, then maybe you could watch it from a historical perspective, But for me, it just triggers up too many uh, emotions about what's going on today. So that's why it's hard for me to watch, not
1: that it's a badly made episode necessarily. It's nice to see a depiction of the fifties that like just completely refuses to be nostalgic. Yes. That's one thing I like about that
0: episode. Um, so, so my best, I chose an episode that apparently we didn't cover. Uh, I thought we were going up to redefinition instead of reunion. I got confused about episodes. Uh, so I chose an episode that's not on our, our reviewing list. Um, and, uh, I actually chose Untouched for worst, not because of any of the reasons you guys stated, which are good, but because I had watched the first, I had watched a bunch of these episodes earlier on and Untouched was the episode. I couldn't remember which one it was like the description made me think it was a different episode that I think is from either later in the season or season three, maybe. So I was just like, I don't even remember this episode. It's got to be the worst. (laughs) That's
3: good enough reason.
0: Yeah, that's so strong. Um, all right, let's uh, do best worst monster. So I said the best
2: monster was Darla, of course. And I don't need to wax nostalgic and Darla because I've been speaking, you know, the praises of that character for all of our... Well, actually, all of us talking. I I haven't said much about Darla, but I think Darla's just a really... Fun, interesting character she's a great evil human and then she, like her motivations about becoming a vampire again are really like fun and really to me satisfy the the promise of what eternal life is so the reason i'll just rant about it here and see what you guys think but you know a lot of times in the in the show we see people get made into vampires that don't have like good reasons they're just victims but here's here's someone who says you know Four hundred years and still not enough time. When she talks about being a vampire, and this is someone who, outside of the the Sunset Club, the Sunset Club had people who wanted to become a vampire for different reasons. And this is actually a very similar to when Buffy's friend wanted to become a vampire and, and lied to me. So that's a Sunset Club Ford. episode. So uh,
0: Schwartz or Ford? Ford. Yeah. <laughs> Remember, because you got really worked up about where you get that name Ford from.
2: Yeah, Ford. Okay, I did. A, anyway, so I just I, I like her motivation um, to become a vampire and like honing in on like kind of like old school what you would think becoming a vampire would be rather than way the way this plays it is mostly a victim. but in, in a lot of older vampiric you know like pop culture stuff it was a, it was about power, getting power, getting revenge. like there were a lot of cool motivations to become a vampire. Nowadays, it's mostly, in this show, it's mostly about being a victim and accidentally becoming a vampire. But here's someone who's really owning up. I know all the negatives. I was a vampire for 400 years. I need to be one again, which is just crazy.
3: I mean, she's also dying. Like, they kind of force her into (laughs) being a vampire. But I also like that she hates being a human.
0: I mean, who would choose to be a human? It's awful. Uh, John?
1: Uh, Yeah, uh, my best monster is Turfrog, the Thrall Demon. I put a picture of him in there. Look at him. I mean, just look at him. Yeah,
0: that is awesome.
1: He's like a great big, like slimy face stretched between concrete pillars. It's good, good, good monster. (laughs) Um, And uh, my worst monster is Bethany's abusive father because I think we can all agree he's a monster and he's the worst.
0: So uh, for best, I chose both the host, which I will choose the host again for best new character, and uh, this Thessalac demon from. are you now or have you ever been? Just because he's a good combo of things. He's got, like, you know, the tentacle uh, legs. Uh, seems like a good threat. Um, mm-hmm. Super uh, creepy. Thrall looking. demon's really good, though. Look at that face. Damn. Uh, and for worst, which is also best in a way, uh, just reusing old Buffy masks in the backgrounds of Karitas is, like, mwah! Um, <laughs> one of my favorite, like, jokes of that is that the mouthless um psychic demons are always seen there from uh the buffy episode earshot they're always reusing those masks and i just love mouthless demons at karaoke i think that's really funny <laughs> uh, uh it's just uh it's a game i play with myself when i watch carrot scenes of like uh where are these episodes from <laughs> where are these demons from and where you know how many are they reusing and they're it's typically yeah the psychic demons and um they reuse uh, the demon mask from um, Reptile Boy a lot. You see that guy walk. All right. Uh, let's. Uh, John, you're the only one who put into this best, worst celebrity cameo category, but I agree with you.
1: Well, it's a best celebrity cameo, and the best celebrity cameo is definitely Tony Todd, who is yeah. Candyman. And he also is Kern, Worf's brother from Star Trek The Next Generation and D Space Nine.
0: And he's also on DS9, Jake Sisko, all grown up. <laughs>
1: that's right Bingo. that's right he is he's aging jake cisco in the alternate universe where jake cisco becomes a successful novelist but he's sad
0: <laughs> yeah tony todd is awesome he's really oddly used in this because uh, he's not used enough basically tony yeah, todd yeah. awesome um i was in a uh elevator with him one time Whoa. at a horror show uh i got in to the elevator and i wasn't paying a ton of attention to like who's in the elevator with me. So I like turn my back and then I hear his real voice is basically that voice. And he's talking (laughs) to his handler. He's like, what's the schedule for today? (laughs) And Like the back, the hairs on the back of my head went up. I was like, ah, (laughs) I'm in the elevator with Candyman. I'm fucked.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Did you say Candyman into like the polished (laughs) mirror of the elevator?
0: I'm sure that guy gets actually. all the time. I just whispered it five times. And then I looked at him and he was like, yeah, (laughs) I'm sure he gets that joke all the time. Uh, All right. Uh, Let's talk best worst character look slash work. The surreal
3: and bad scene where Drusilla and Darla are on fire and hitting a fire hydrant with a sledgehammer over and over is like just this weird scene that you see and you can't believe that's what you're seeing. It's just that moment so surreal. Like it just sticks in your mind. Like I could watch that if that was just on a loop, like in an art gallery in slow motion. And it was like. that, That would be art. It's like, it's just verges on art. It's so, it is art. It isn't verge, it is. It's just so interesting and weird. That's like a weirdly placed fire hydrant. It's weird to attack a fire hydrant with a sledgehammer in order to stop being on fire, as opposed to like, I don't know, rubbing yourself in dirt, like hitting the ground, right? Whatever it is. Yeah. Like there's a different solution than that. And that solution's (laughs) insane. (laughs) Like you're on fire and you grab a hammer to hit. Like if you imagine it's like a, it would be like a weird thought puzzle. It's like you're on fire. There's a sledgehammer and a fire hydrant to your right and a lake over here. And there's some dirt. What do you do? And it's like, like sledgehammer to fire hydrant. Knock yeah, the it's top like one of those... off. It shoots up and instead of to the side. Like knock off the side part. Right. As opposed <laughs> to the fountain spray style. It's just like it is a possible choice and it's surreal. It's kind of like when someone in a movie, they like jump through a, like a, a, the set in a wall or something like that. It's just awesome. And then the worst, um gosh, uh this angel in a pink helmet thing. So this is a bit of a gaslighting scenario. So in the <laughs> Sorry, episode <guys. laughs> where with uh Dvac, where Angel's car gets stolen and then he hops on a motorcycle with Wesley to go whatever get the get the car figured out. He gets a pink helmet on after Wesley's like, oh, put a pink helmet. Um, you know, it's the law in California. <laughs> I just love the thing. You have to do it. Uh Well, anyway, so, John, you brought it up that that happened in the first season. And I agreed with you because I was like, surely I've seen this and I missed this moment or I just I misremembered it. So you gave me a false memory of this being in season one. It is in season two. And when I saw it, I was like, surely this happened in the past. And I looked back and was like, no, this is the only time this happened so
0: i feel like gaslighting is a little hard because i think that false memory
3: implantation i feel like that
0: implies it was on purpose that we were like let's all lie to mike oh i know it's on. (laughs) okay (laughs) like this is just a strong image and we got mixed up about when it happened uh
1: (laughs) yeah i was just so excited to talk about it that i couldn't contain myself and i i in my own mind got it mixed up because i was just so jazzed to talk about it
3: because it's such a wonderful moment (laughs) No, it is. And I, when I saw it, I felt like I, I had a sense of deja vu. Um, anyway, those are my best words. Uh,
2: my best was Wesley Impersonating Angel, which we've talked about before. Um, I also loved all the flashbacks. And my worst was the master flashback uh, because he has zero accent still. I mean, he just has no accent. You mean no? And, um, walk- and then he walks around daylight. In Angel
0: like the- or the master? The master.
2: Angel doesn't have an accent either, and that's problematic, and how and always has been and always will be. But it's like, it would have been, like, continuity error if he had a good accent back in the day, but loses it for the Buffy series, I understand. But the show acts like there's no such thing. Like, there's an, like in Hollywood, there are accent coaches, okay? <laughs> but if you watch this show, you would not think that would be the case. You would think that, <laughs> no, actually, the actor... <laughs> they have to train themselves on accents and and whatever job they can get, whatever level of accent they can achieve. We just go with that. Um, But in Hollywood does have something called an accent coach. and
1: um, (laughs) I'm confused about what accent you think the master should have
2: though. I would say that in the year 1608, I would not expect the master to have a contemporary American accent. Fair enough. Although like there's that. I also whole, do not expect Darla to have a contemporary American accent in 1608.
1: There's that whole notion though that like uh, the, um, you know, the American accent is actually sounds closer to what the English accent sounded like back in the day that we've actually sort of kept things more or less similar to the way uh, the accent was when America was founded and uh, that it's actually uh, here in the UK that that has moved on and adapted. There's, I, Ooh, I've, I've read that a couple of times that they they had the um the hard R was was part of like in like you know, Shakespeare uh, would have had hard Rs in all of his he would have sound like a pirate. it uh, may sound
2: close, but there's no way that it actually sounds like a modern
1: day American. no, accent. it obviously not. it's it's yeah, obviously like not. there there it could have like a it could
2: be somewhat different. You could talk in a different way in a little, you know, you could change it so it sounds different. It's not mm-hmm. like how I sound. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's so inconsistent. Sometimes Angel has an accent. A terrible. I not think they've chosen accent.
0: to remove his accent as early in his timeline as possible. <laughs> yeah, because right? he's so bad at it. <laughs> and the explanation yeah. is just like he hung around Darla, who has an American accent, and that's what he adapted. Right, she's to, from right? the
3: colonies, so it makes sense. I, and oh, and wait, I, like, I got angry that
2: the master was screaming, Arise! In the t- and he's just got like one mode, which is like creep in a bunker. And it's just not exciting. Like, he's not exciting in the past at the peak powers and that that's a problem if you're like old badass vampire is not exciting that's a story problem
0: like yeah i mean i think to a degree it's like he can't be so violent it's so crazy that he like wrecks the world this early right um i think he's just this dude who's constantly playing the long game
1: well, I like the little bit of insight we get where he explains like the that we're the vampire like order of Aurelius. Like he kind of like gives this little gives this little pitch to them about this like yeah, there's vampires everywhere, but we're this very specific vampire cult with specific vampire beliefs and a specific vampire uh, agenda. I feel like that to me that felt satisfying because like oh, that's why he's like that. He he's yeah. like he's a and religious also, nut.
0: Like for the first time, connecting stuff to Buffy season one mm-hmm. that feels so incongruous now.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I actually thought that, that that felt kind of satisfying to me.
0: It's explaining some weirdness from that first Buffy season. Uh,
1: my best bit we'll of character work, if you can call it that, is uh, Angel singing Wang Chung. I mean, all of Angel singing is great. Uh, it's a joke that they keep returning to because it works. Uh, but uh, specifically choosing Wang Chung, uh, Everybody Have Fun Tonight, is, it, was, it was a lovely moment because that, that song is so terrible. I don't have a worst character moment because I actually think this is a lovely uh, half of a season that we watched.
0: Yeah. All right. Uh, let's move on to best and worst new characters.
2: So I guess I'll go first. Um, and the real reason I chose Daisy McCracken, um, she's only in one episode and she's the a young woman with telekinetic powers, telekinesis. Um, and the reason I chose her is because she actually ended up, um, having a, having a musical career as a, as an artist. And she released two CDs, uh, or two albums since, uh, since being on Angel. And they're actually pretty good. Um, Hmm. and, uh, they're kind of like folk indie, uh, albums, and you can buy them on the Google Play store if you're curious. Uh, I don't know if you have it, depends on where you live, but, um, you can definitely Google that and... I don't know, it it, it like, ex- her character was deeply problematic, but it's always nice to get introduced to a character or actor who then, and this is going to creep Mike out, who then you can follow and have some sort of ongoing like fan relationship with. And that's kind of like Mike's whole frustration with the Buffyverse in a nutshell. But um, her character wasn't interesting, but as a person, she's, has interesting music. So that's why I chose that.
0: Mike, do you have a a favorite a favorite new character?
3: Well, I mean Darla's not a new character exactly, but I really enjoyed Darla and I know she comes up in Monster, but she's the best most interesting character that's new. I like all the weirdness they kind of throw at Darla. Uh I love I mean it's just it's a lot of fun to see her and then her motivation for becoming a vampire, which we already talked about. I just love that. I love the weirdness of it. I like the the. I mean, I don't want to say I like syphilis. That's not what I'm saying. I like her, the <laughs> the excuse they have
0: for like. That's the take I'm going to take away. Is please do that. Mike likes syphilis.
3: Love it. Um, uh, I just attention, like, attention, Twitter. Michael Polly <laughs> says he likes syphilis. Uh, I just like how they set up her character in this, and they explore that character, which. I didn't know it was there. And I get why now when you watch season one and you see Darla, you had a lot of excitement around that character. And because I'm seeing a lot of the things that make her interesting now that were not present in season one. Yeah.
0: And so. It's true. It's hard to really to connect this version of Darla to the like vampire dressed as a schoolgirl shooting uh, two guns at the same time. It's like. (laughs) (laughs) Very different. Um, so I already chose the host for best monster, but I'll choose him again for best new character. Uh, I'm happy he's here. I really like this character.
1: And I'll choose uh, him thrice for my best new character because I love him too.
0: <laughs> and I think I like him interacting with uh, Angel Investigations a lot because like, he adds a lot of levity to their darkness mm. and um, gets them in... He's just, he gets them in situations where they have to like throw off their brooding and stuff, you know, and, uh, yeah. So I'm happy he's here. Uh, John, why don't you do a best zoom and enhance opportunity?
1: Well, let's get obsessive. When you guys, uh, watched the first episode of this season, uh, I know what you were thinking when you saw that they had a whiteboard, you were probably thinking like, gee, I really hope that somebody, could watch all the scenes with the whiteboard in it and take a lot of screenshots and then do a composite (laughs) uh, in Photoshop of 15 different shots in order to piece together everything that's on that whiteboard and then put it all Mm -hmm. in a spreadsheet and then cross-reference it with all past episodes to see
3: uh, what they're talking about on the whiteboard. Uh, Well, I've done that. (laughs) Please put this on buffyvirgin.com slash whiteboard.
1: Sure. Why not? Uh, So if you visit uh, BuffyVirgin.com slash whiteboard, you can follow along uh, and play the home game.
0: I'll put a link to this on Twitter. uh,
1: But basically, uh, you know, Angel Investigations has a whiteboard where they're keeping track of their open cases and some of their finished cases. And uh, it's really difficult. You can't see the whole thing because this is not an HD kids. There's no released HD version of this. Uh so only in close-up can you see it. So I had to piece together like 15 different close-ups to get everything on this fucking whiteboard. It was a pain in the ass. Uh but um yeah, since we're gonna put it on the website, why don't I not read the entire uh whiteboard <laughs> onto the podcast? That would be boring. Uh just to point out though, a couple of uh my favorite uh row of it though is that they have a case called sloth and one of their leads is Ms. Varna with the telephone number 555-6123. Their progress is that they're doing surveillance and electronic tracking, and the status of the case is that it is closed. Wait, what?
0: (laughs) How is it closed if they're still in surveillance mode? Uh,
1: Unknown, unknown, (laughs) unknown. I also like, uh, there's a demon called Sansu who likes dark, dank, salty places. So the progress they've made is that they're checking desalination plants, ocean tunnels, and swamplands, And the status (laughs) is that the case is pending.
3: (laughs) They definitely do this at real detective agencies. There's no way you could avoid this whiteboarding. (laughs) They are a real detective agency.
2: Big question. Do you think it's the same whiteboard that's used in Buffy at the hospital? (laughs) (laughs)
1: Or, for that matter, the same whiteboard that was used in Buffy when they were keeping track of the uh, Homecoming Queen uh, election. Uh, That was the last time I had to do a composite of several whiteboard shots.
0: I see no mention of Bree. (laughs) (laughs) All right, guys. Let's uh, get into the more freeform section here. The (laughs) rants. All right. Well,
3: I'm going to start out with this... uh, I hope not controversial statement, but Wolfram and Hart continues to be a fucking mess. <laughs> season two. Uh, I, I see a lot of real random, weird activity from Wolfram and Hart, And maybe I didn't ask this a question, but I should. Why do they revive Darla?
0: They're agents of chaos, man. Yeah. Sure. They, they agents. It's, it's implied that it's just to
1: fuck with angel and that they want angel to be dark.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It sounds to me like it's like, Holland Manners had a very specific idea of what would happen if he resurrected Darla and he didn't consult anybody who knows Angel about it. <laughs>
3: <laughs> Mr. Manners has, yeah, definitely had an idea. He didn't think he would end up eating, uh in this like ch- weird chain of events. But in the way that Wolfram and Hart thinks, they do believe in strange chains of events. I got to say my favorite Wolfram and Hart plan, this like arc, is the plan to get Angel. Okay, so when Darla is pretending to be someone else. And then she is married to a fake actor. This is something she and Leslie cocked up, right? We're like cooked up where like Angel is now going to be stalking her because he thinks that she's Darla and she's not admitting she's Darla. And so he's going to try to break into a house that she's at and then they can frame him for murder because they'll murder someone. (laughs) Also, by the way, that episode does not work
1: nearly as well as it should because We know the whole time she really is Darla. If they had played that slightly differently, so that we were with Angel and not being sure that this could just be somebody who looks like Darla, it would have worked so much better. That would have been a much better
0: episode. (laughs) I don't know
1: why they didn't
3: do that. It seems really obvious when I was watching it. Gosh, that would have been good. Uh, Yeah, and then I feel like Angel gets off the hook so easily for this crazy (laughs) situation that gets put together because like Kate doesn't like doesn't prosecute him much for much further i mean she loses trust but anyway that's just a wonderful wolfman Hart style plan W.H. putting together one more wolfman Hart thing to put in this rant of how they're a mess when mr manners is killed what's their plan for succession why not give the the make this new executive role that includes leslie and uh what's her face uh lila L- Leslie and lila. and lila working together they just walk through a list of all the things they both fucked up and then they're like, "Hey, and you can share the role together." That is literally insane. There is no business that works like that. That would have like all this stuff that like clearly needs to be reprimanded for. Like Leslie's like trying to take down the organization from the from the inside in in some ways, and uh, Lila she's like a conniving mess as well. Like they are evil people, so maybe that's why they get a pass. But like that's crazy. There's
0: yeah, they just reward ah, oh, you're generally evil. <laughs>
3: I mean, uh, they're hot high take. Achievers.
1: here's a hot take. Like this is a really interesting take perhaps on, I don't know who this
0: Leslie Kay is on, by the way. on
1: bosses and capitalism in general, that like their whole front is that they're rational and they're making, you know, that capitalism is rational and that it's based on, you know, supply and demand and it all makes sense and that your boss is making really rational decisions and that they might be, you know, sort of inhuman and cruel, but at least it like is according to a rule set, but sort of the, the, angel insight is that actually uh business is in fact agents of chaos and that uh, they have no plan and that your boss doesn't know what the hell he's doing and uh, they're just fucking things up like everyone else
0: yeah holland manners is totally the guy who hires like an outside f- firm to do like an audit and then ignores the audit yeah totally <laughs> <laughs> totally he would have the people who did the audit murdered <laughs> yeah.
3: yeah uh anyway wnh totally a mess i kind of love it but I like being confounded by it. Like I'm enjoying the annoying things they, they kind of come up with. I can't wait to see what cockamamie schemes they have now, but what a mess. I, I think you're right on though with your capitalist rant, because I think we live in a system that rewards risk and not intelligence. So if you're willing to take a risk, I'm more interested in seeing where that goes than what's smart. And like business loves that. The whole idea of like a disruptive tech startup tech right. culture is like around rewarding risk. Even if it makes no sense. Uh, Okay, post-Angel. Why do Gun Cordelia, Wesley start their own detective agency versus anything else? <laughs> Angel's out of the picture. Oh, well, we better pick up the pieces of this detective agency. Like, they all get fired, and then they immediately, they're going to start their own thing? Travis, you had an amazing suggestion. Start a coffee shop. Like, literally anything else. This is, like, highly dangerous work that you're always complaining about. You just lost the, real, the one tough guy. I mean, yeah, have a gun. Gun's tough, too. But man, just
0: do something else.
3: (laughs) Well, because they care, because they care about saving lives. Like every every one
1: of them is very, like they're very, they're very, um, you know, mission focused. Uh, You you know, Cordelia has no choice. She's going to keep having the visions. Uh, gun is, you know, started off by protecting his, uh, neighborhood and apparently doesn't really care about that much anymore, but still wants to be a good guy. And Wesley, uh, it's really core to his identity as like a rogue demon hunter or whatever, or like that he's a good guy. Like it's, they're, they're all like, it's all core to their identities that they keep doing this work. I think their complaints are not the, not that core to them.
0: Yeah, no, I I agree. They need to be still helping the helpless, but it's an opportunity to change it from a detective agency to something else.
1: Oh, fair enough. Yeah, I mean, yeah. If you mean a coffee shop that also fights demons, then yes, that would be better. But might not keep them out of danger.
3: Okay, another rant. Drusilla and Darla team up. Amazing and disappointing. They're like going to wreck the town or something. They're like going to go on a rampage. And I'm like, I'm excited as a viewer. I'm like, what are they going to They could do anything. They've teamed up. Darla's back. She's fully powered. What's going to happen? We're going to go shopping. <laughs> By the way, I can't <laughs> tell if they're shopping at a Goodwill or like a really nice, like, like ritzy <laughs> place. I can't tell. It's probably a Goodwill. They're trying on old hats, vintage clothes. Like, they're out of touch with... I think your- it's
0: supposed to be like a high-end place, like yeah. Sunset Boulevard or <laughs> something. Um, I like their... I like their... Uh, thing they don't do it very it doesn't last very long in this uh, in the episodes we've seen but I actually love Darla and Drew fighting on the streets because it's so insane and Drew does not know what's going on at all and also does not give a shit about being hit by a car uh it's just a pure (laughs) it's just (laughs) like so purely like chaos and like um uh like nobody in that scene nobody knows what's going on like everybody like nobody can read each other's emotional like needs in this they're just like all acting like lunatics um
3: <laughs> that that scene in particular is amazing because it's like they're fighting in the street it looks like they might be making out like there's some sexual side to it and then like the dude gets out of his truck and he's like you're gonna have to move he's <laughs> like he's it's like idiot. poor <laughs> it's man's
0: just... kevin sorbo looking motherfucker
3: <laughs> he can go around there's nothing backed up he just yeah. has a fucking bone to pick with these ladies because they're in the street like it is just a nonsense scene it is delightful i like that scene fire hydrant scene is better but that scene is also surreal
0: the only thing i don't like about their like uh their team up is i really don't like drew dressed in contemporary clothes after the shopping scene i want her to still be wearing crazy corsets and stuff like that's very fundamental to her like like she even has a bit where she's like i took your advice angel and i joined the 20th century and he's like it's the 21st century (laughs) that's such a good joke
2: there's so many time jokes in this show.
3: <laughs> All right, next rant. Crossover episode is weak. Buffy side was much better, in my opinion, for the crossover. I know, Travis, you want to fight me on this.
0: I think they're perfect together. They both work together. Uh, I think you might be right. Re- I think as individual episodes, Fool for Love is better. But I love. I just love the combo, and I love seeing, like, this, I've talked about this so many times already, but seeing the same scenes from different point of views uh, is a very big pleasure for me to get, like, it's the whole Rashomon thing, you know? Uh, like, how Spike reads this situ- these same situations is totally different from how Angel sees it, like, that whole thing in Full for Love you were talking about, where you're like, this line, this crazy line, where Angel is like, I'm tired of this, like, <laughs> Rebellion. Like you get that he's like trying to protect these missionaries in this alley now. Like that's why he's saying this crazy thing, and he's like, I gotta get out of here. So
2: I'm gonna keep my rant pretty short. I do, um I lo- I also love the episode Untouched because you get to see Lila Morgan's condo. And I love I love her like sense of design. And uh anyway, so I'm super weird like that. Um do you, got, do you think that Darla is right when she tells Lindsay that he doesn't want to be with her, but he wants to screw with Angel?
1: Yeah, because he's, he's upset about he, uh, the, the, the contest between Lindsay and Angels is, is referenced many, many times. He's upset about having lost his hand. Uh, they, every time they meet, they have like their little like, I don't know, scowling contest at each other.
0: Yeah, it's kind of interesting because it's almost like uh, if this was still Angelus, this would be like the setup for him cre- for him like creating a new member of the Whirlwind, right? Which is the name of their gang, the name of the vampire gang. Um, <laughs> but instead, but it's like he's Angel now, so he doesn't do that. But he's still like he's getting he's purposely getting Lindsay or Leslie like uh, obsessed with him, right? Like he wi- he winds him up. It's like uh, he's creating a new spike here, you know?
2: So he's like accidentally grooming him to be a bad guy? I think he is, Or yeah. like a nemesis? Interesting. Okay. All right. And uh, the other thing I liked was that in the flashbacks, like Darlin', Angel, and Drusilla, it looks like they just leave dead bodies on the ground in like these Victorian cities. <laughs> and my thought is... Man, Victorian cities are rough, but also they leave bodies in other timelines too, just like around, like in somewhat darkened alleyways. They, they just, this is other episodes too. It's like they just kill prostitutes or gentlemen or whatever, like with abandon.
0: What a bunch of litter bugs.
2: Yeah. And I'm like, this is why you always have to be on the move with these bodies. <laughs>
0: Just clean and then, up your bodies. You can stay somewhere a little longer. And you're then keen.
2: you're like, ooh, so that weird, that weird vampire den where you drink people but don't leave bodies, that actually seems a whole lot more reasonable than just leaving dead people on the street in a highly superstitious society. <laughs> and Holland, Holland Manor's wife looks a lot like Princess Diana. That's it. I'm done. <laughs>
0: All right. Thank you, Trav. Uh, John, why don't you rant? Uh,
1: okay. So I want to use my rant time to talk about guys will be guys, which we already talked about quite a bit, but it's the best episode that we've watched. I mean, come on. I think the theme of this episode is that masculinity is like always a performance. And, uh, I just got really excited watching it. So like the, like the most obvious one is that Wesley is pretending to be angel, which is an example of like uh, what they call like a, um, uh, a cynical performance. So like he's pretending to be angel and that he knows he's lying. He knows that he's not really angel, but this is like the cure for, uh, Wesley's insecurities. He's constantly being called out for being too effeminate. Uh, you know, like, uh, at the beginning of the episode, Cordelia says, do you have any clothes that a man would wear? There's like throughout this episode and just throughout all of angel, Wesley is constantly being called out for being too, too effeminate. Um, anyway, so like, uh, he borrows Angel's uh, persona in order to be more masculine. That's like one part of the episode. But then you also have Angel who is borrowing his own persona. And this is pointed out by the Swami, by the Swami Tishmagev. The fake Swami. The fake Swami, right?
3: So... um, does a pretty good job for a fake. Swami.
0: Yeah, well, you know yeah, I want to talk about that fake Swami and how they hired somebody who's actually insightful, but he's also like a murderer. Well,
1: but like, so with like the first thing about the Swami is that you, from his name and from everything we hear about him, and like, like the reference to chakras, like you, 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 you expect that you're going to get some kind of like Orientalist racial other. Like he's going to be Indian or he's going to be Chinese or he's going to be something. But what you get is the opposite of that. You get like the blue collar white guy, he's like a pickup truck commercial dude. Uh, And that's meant to be this big twist. Um, But he calls out angel that uh, he is also performing masculinity and that uh, he, everything angel does Mm -hmm. is this constant like attempt to appear a certain way or appear to appear, to appear a lot of it more masculine, like from his clothes, he talks about his car, he talks about his hair. And uh, he really points out one of these like really key paradoxes or uh, contradictions in the way that we try to be dudes which is that in order to be more dude, like you have to pretend that you don't care about appearances, but to not care about appearances, or at least to appear that you don't care about appearances is actually this like really complicated aesthetic thing that you're doing. (laughs) Um, So that's really interesting. And then uh, uh, it's also interesting that like angels whole thing throughout the episode is that he can't have sex. So he's like this ultra masculine guy, but that it's implied that, that he's doing that in order to make up for the fact that he can't have sex. He's called a eunuch repeatedly through it. It just, I, 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 there's so much about how much work it is to be a dude in this episode and how much it's a constant front and a constant performance. Uh, it, it's a performance for angel. The Swami is performing. He's pretending to be somebody else. Wesley's pretending to be somebody else. It's just like the episode is all about, it, it becomes this hall of mirrors kind of thing where you're nobody's themselves and everybody's pretending all the time. Uh, just really, really enjoyed that. Uh, as a side note though, I also really enjoyed, um, the magic gangsters kind of like we were talking about earlier. Like I, I, love the idea that, uh, cause he says he's like, always oh, in software and he's also doing some other kind of business. Uh, but actually he's a wizard and I, I like the implication that like all of business is this, I, I feel like it's slightly implied that like, uh, Wolfram and Hart is, is the rule and not the exception that like all big successful businesses are actually secretly magical. And so there's this notion that capitalism is actually a magical spell, which, you know, might actually be true in the real world. Anyway, guys will be guys. I feel like I'm only scratching the surface. I want to, like, dig into it more. I feel like I need to reread or read for the first time uh, Irving Goffman's uh, performance of self in everyday life and a bunch of other stuff so that I can actually, like, understand what the hell's going on in that episode because there's a lot going on.
0: Yeah, it's deep analysis, John. Good job. Uh, My one little rant was um, as I was doing this rewatch, I started to think about is Angel as a series always trying to do like a King Arthur thing? Um, Because like in the first episode, he has to do that uh, jousting thing. Um, And then uh, in the I thought about originally while watching the trial and it just feels like this is a quest that like knights have to go on. Um, And by the way, I like the episode, the trial, everything except the trial aspect. Like, I think every, everything except going on that trial is a good episode. Um, but, uh, I don't know, it's just something I was thinking about, about um, how, maybe it's how Angel sees himself, and or it's how the series wants to see Angel as a knight in King Arthur's court. Um, which, does it doesn't seem to fit the setting or the characters very well. Uh, but it's something, I think, that uh, maybe is something to pay attention to as the series goes on and especially with his relationship with Darla and how that might apply uh, to King Arthur's myth a little in the future. Um, So anyway, it was just something I was thinking about, uh, but I don't don't have a deep analysis of it. Um, So I think that's our rant section. Um, Recommendations. All right. Um, so originally, when I started to do recommendations for this episode, I was going to do a recommendation for every episode, uh, but that's and then ever ever and then when I was doing that, I, a couple needed two. So I came up with about eighteen re- movie recommendations, oh, no. and I was like, okay, that's insane. So um, <laughs> instead, what I have is uh, five, and um, these are two originally two specific episodes. So. Um, Monster Club, uh, I am recommending because of Caritas. Monster Club is a 1980s horror anthology movie starring Vincent Price and John Carradine. Um, Vincent Price is a vampire, I think, or is, yeah, who invites John Carradine, who's a famous author, to a Monster Club, um, which is a lot like Caritas, and in between, uh, little segments of, um, like there's a monster band and then there's a monster burlesque show where the girl strips down to a skeleton and it's really funny. And then in between the vampire tells little horror stories and it's a very, it's a cheap movie. It's a, it's like a cheapy, but it's like charming and fun. Um, it's, it's very light. It's a very light movie and it ends with them accepting <laughs> this human into the monster club for the first time with this very bleak statement of like, really, truly who's killed more humans than humans. And like, who is a West Monster? Then I'm mad. Um so it's a nice it's a nice little charmer of a movie. Um a, a cheapie. They tried to get Christopher Lee in it and he, they couldn't afford him. Um, uh because of uh the Hyperion Hotel and uh because of um Have You Are You Now or Have You Ever Been, I'm gonna recommend Barton Fink, which it, uh, yeah, <laughs> it at least aesthetically, looks like the same no, hotel. It's, it's, no, no, it
2: definitely is,
0: and it's all it, yeah. <laughs> if you haven't seen Barton Fink, it's awesome. It's definitely one of the Coen Brothers' best movies. John Goodman is terrifying in it, uh, and it's like in general, it's a movie recommendation. I give you should always be seeing this movie. If you haven't seen it. <laughs> um, the combination of the mob and vampires, or the mob and Magic leads to Innocent Blood, uh, which is John Landis's vampire movie. It's not as well remembered uh, as John Landis's werewolf movie, um, <laughs> but Innocent Blood is a lot of fun and weird. And so it's like a combination of like a sexy vampire movie, inter- like with a detective investigating the mob, intersected with Don Rickles. This movie has Don Rickles as a mobster slash vampire. That shit is so solid and crazy. And it has a very specific, like uh, when the main mob guy is like enjoying the power of being a vampire, he has this great line about how powerful he is. And he has this crazy quote, which I couldn't find a clip of, but he goes, I can hear an angel fight," um, Which uh, would be really funny in the context of this show. Angel. <laughs> uh because Tony Todd is in this uh, this section of episodes, I have to recommend Candyman. Um, Candyman also deserves a recommendation because um fuck, what's the episode with uh that everybody hates? The one with uh touched.
3: Oh no, uh First Impressions.
0: Because First Impressions does such a terrible job of combining like uh the urban with monstrous, uh Candyman does an excellent job of it. So that's um, like a much better take on like how to combine like inner city America with the monstrous uh, Candyman. Um, And I'm also going to recommend Requiem for a Vampire because I was really struggling with how crazy Darla and Drew are and how I want them to be a little crazier. But it was like, there's not a ton of movies that are like two totally crazy women. Like, being monstrous. Uh, but you know who always does that? Is uh, Jean Roland. Uh, <laughs> so I've already recommended, I think, Shiver of the Vampire. And, like, Rape of the Vampire, maybe. Uh, so now I'm doing Requiem for a vampire. <laughs> uh, all his movies are pretty crazy. Uh, and a lot of them are, like, two vampire women. Or two women who may or may not be vampires. Like, just wrecking shit. Uh, so this is another one of them. So those are my recs. Uh, hope you guys enjoy them. And they're all, uh, sometimes I recommend a movie because it all, because it kind of connects to the episode, but it's not really a favorite movie. But these five are all, like, real, fa- real favorite movies of mine. All right. Uh, let's do Predictions. Virgin Predictions.
1: Okay, Um, so just as a review, Michael, your overall accuracy is a 62, sorry, a 63.49. We will not be tracking Angel season by season, just because I don't feel like making the spreadsheet do that. Uh, So uh, yeah, your overall accuracy is a 63.49. So let's see what we can do to change that uh let's see so going pretty far back here to buffy season three episode nine michael you you predicted that the master will not reappear
3: that is clearly incorrect really seemed like they killed him it's unreal to me the callbacks that this show is willing to do (laughs) 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 to prove me wrong in
1: uh our last or let's see actually two angel specials ago in angel season one part one michael you predicted that kate and angel will get over their hate of each other that has not happened yet so i think that's one we can leave open
0: i think that's the opposite is definitely happening so far
1: yes Um, but we don't know they could end up together living happily ever after in a cottage we don't know
0: i just think it's also wild one thing we didn't talk about is like angel actually drank kate's blood like that's a big deal for angel to just be drinking human blood and even to do it as a fake out she is like so very very clearly drained um so i just i don't see that uh them getting over the the hate for a little while true OK,
1: so in our previous Angel special, Michael, you predicted a number of things, one of which was that Faith will continue on her redemption arc during season five. Now, we did see Faith just very briefly at the beginning of the at the end of the first episode, uh, in w- which it seems that she is doing just that, that she is in prison, that she's uh, continuing her redemption arc, that she does not. She's not giving in. So I'm going to go ahead and confirm that one unless we have any objections.
0: No, I like it.
1: Let's see, in the same episode, Michael, you predicted that Charles Gunn will get hired by Angel's Detective Agency. Yet again, that is a confirmation. So well done there.
0: Hell yeah. I don't know if part time counts. No, I'm just kidding.
1: <laughs> <laughs> uh, Michael, you predicted that Lindsay will eventually run Wolfram and Hart. Now, he's gotten a promotion. What do you guys think? Do you want to give him this one? <laughs> he's he's gotten a major promotion, but he's not running the entire thing yet, right? So No.
0: Okay. And also, we found out like Holland Manor's title isn't even that big, right?
1: right <laughs> good point okay so
0: it's got a long way to go we'll leave that open
1: because we don't know he may <laughs> yet run the whole shebang we haven't uh, even met a
3: mr wolf room yeah.
1: michael you predicted that uh darla will be a villain in season two of angel that is definitely confirmed she's definitely there and she does eventually become a villain uh in the same episode, you predicted that Kate and Angel will work together in season two. Now this, there's a lot, there's a fair amount of Kate in this uh, bit. Are they working together? What do you guys think?
2: Yeah, she, she released him from the police car to, to do a mission for her to catch
1: Darla and Drusilla. Good point, Travis. Yeah. Dennis, what do you think? Gonna go ahead and uh, that I one? was
0: going to say no, but uh, I think that's right. She does unleash him so yeah if only for a moment they are sort of working together so i'll allow it i mean
2: angel doesn't do what she wants necessarily so
1: but (laughs) all right so that's confirmed let's see and i think our last one here uh in uh the seventh season of buffy season five you predicted that we have to see more of the angel slash drusilla slash spike slash darla team again which we do we see more uh what are they called the whirlwind the The Whirlwind.
0: That's their official team name.
1: Okay, so that's definitely more let's see, it's uh, five confirmations five uh, confirmations? that confirmations five confirmations <laughs> and one denial. Uh, thereby your total accuracy is up to sixty three point nine seven.
0: All right, why don't we do some new predictions then? Do it right. All right, Paolo. let's do it. Prediction
3: one, Angel and the gang will get back together. You know what I'm talking about? This detective agency, it's not falling apart. We just need Angel to make it happen. Angel won't become human. Not happening. Uh, I think Wesley and Cordelia are going to recruit Faith. Um, This show is never going to reveal where vampires come from. So I mean, from Interview with Vampire, they're very obsessed with, the vampires obsessed with discovering the origins of vampires. This show does not care. We are uh, not going to reveal where vampires come from. That means between now and the end of Angel and end of Buffy. No, like, oh, the master comes from this, which comes from this, like whatever, like interested in the origins of vampires.
0: Um
3: Cordelia, I think the first
0: episode of Buffy talks about it, but not but, in great detail.
3: Uh, how about I change this? Angel is not curious about where vampires come from. <laughs> will not, will not investigate the source of all vampires the invested and that by, by that i mean like he is not interested in his origins um cordelia's necklace is cursed the necklace that she stole from the museum is cursed she was, something's gonna happen with that necklace um riffing on the arthurian ideas angel will acquire Exc- excalibur and then as a separate one, Angel will get a sword from a lady in a lake. I don't know how they want to play this out. Excalibur may or may not be a sword. I just know that the Whedon and Co. likes to play around with your expectations, but at the same time match them. So we'll see how this goes. Maybe the Excalibur's bullshit and there's another sword that I haven't heard of that's even better that you get from the lady in the lake. Anyway, um, the host will be a villain for an episode. Too good not to play around with his host. Make him a bad guy um faith will appear in the opening credits of angel in season two she's going to be joining the crew maybe i should say let me level down wesley and cordial recruit faith uh faith will join angel's detective agency that could be for one episode um angel will kill darla again he's he's got to stop her. he's the only one that can't angel's killing darla and the whiteboard from season two f one of angel will return we got to get back on this whiteboard for project management. This is the only way they know that they know how to coordinate on these cases.
0: That should be your five. That should be your, uh, five point. Oh. Uh, f- five point is, uh, angel will kill Darla again. Five point. That'll be the super. That's
3: your super
0: All right. Well, I think that's the episode then. Uh, I've been your host. That is say, John, you can buy my com- comics. I'm D at D E N I S C O M I X on Twitter. Uh, and that's my. um, Mike, do you, do you want to promote anything? Or are you? I'm going to be releasing stuff on YouTube next week,
3: but oh, it, cool. by this time it will be seven weeks or something from that. I have no idea when it's come out. But yes, yeah, so I'll have a new YouTube video probably about role-playing games. I'm sorry. That sounds
0: great. <laughs> you can find BuffyVirgin.com for links to our YouTube, blog, Twitter, Instagram, all that. Um, and uh, don't forget to rate us and like us on the podcast listener of Your choice, and we'll see you now.